Hi, this is Ned Siegfried from Siegfried & Jensen. As proud sponsors of BeliefCast, we hope you are inspired by Todd's weekly podcasts, which contain so many courageous stories of recovery and personal growth. Remember, it's not what happened in the past that matters, it's what happens in the future. We invite you all to work hard and be optimistic about your future. Enjoy today's podcast. Welcome back, everyone, to the Todd Inspires Belief Cast Show. Thank you for all your support. You guys are fantastic. And I, I'm just so excited that you guys are sharing this and believing in me. We are, we're going viral. We have, uh, we're hitting so many downloads each and every week. And I just can't thank you guys enough for all your support. I want to thank our sponsors, Siegfried and Jensen, Wasatch Recovery, Veracity Networks, and iHill Institute. You guys are amazing at what you do. And um, I also can't thank you enough for believing in me and supporting this show. Um, also, um, I'm just thankful to all the guests that I've had on so far. We're, I think I just po you know, posted my 206th episode and we are cranking. And it's just amazing, the, the amazing stories. And today's going to be no different. Today, we are joined by the author of Microdosed Mindfulness, Janet Fouts. Janet, thank you for joining us today. Hey, thanks, Todd. I'm glad to be on the show. Yeah, coming coming in from San Jose, correct? That's right. San yeah. Jose, California. Yeah, where the sun's always shining. At least that's what I'm, I'm told. <laughs> that's what they say. Yeah. <laughs> like right now, we'd love a little rain. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That's kind of where we're at. But uh, well, let me give you a little background, listeners, on uh, Janet. Uh, she's an amazing person doing so many things. She's obviously very pa passionate about mindfulness. Um, Again, she wrote a book, Microdose Mindfulness, which is a relatable science-based answer to those who think mindfulness is a woo-woo nonsense, you know, that takes too much time, saps productivity. And, and again, she's, she's trying to show that that's not the case. She's also um, going to help us what she's going to help us understand what mindfulness is much better, because I think a lot of times we have it wrong. And I can't wait to get more information on that. Um, she's also the author of seven other books, including When Life Hits the Fan, A Guide to Self-Care While Caring for Others, uh, and Mindfulness Social Media Marketing, host of a mindful social, mindful social podcast where she interviews thought leaders. She has spoken on the corporate level, conferences, stages for the last 20 years, including a TED Talk, a TEDx Talk, and is the founder of uh, Nearly Mindful, which I want to know more about. Janet's mission is to create stronger leaders, compassionate communicators, and better humans who will define the future of our work and ultimately our world. And she is just doing a ton of things right now. And Janet, I'm so excited to get into all these things that you're doing and have our listeners understand this. But I'd like to start, tell us where you grew up and tell us about your childhood and a little bit about your family, if you would. Sure, sure. I grew up in very, very, very northern Wisconsin. Mm. Kind of, we used to call it the swamps. You know, they have 10,000 <laughs> lakes in Minnesota and Northern Wisconsin. We got swamps. Got the swamps. <laughs> but uh, it was a beautiful place to grow up. Um, my parents yeah. owned a lodge and we were surrounded by 60 acres of virgin white pine. Uh, I grew up learning to trout fish and then teach the guests how to fish. Oh, and I think wow. that really, yeah. And it was, it was great. And it was really kind of where my service mindset came from. Okay. You know, it was when you're raised in the Midwest, you get a different kind of work ethic than maybe you do when you're raised in Silicon Valley. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. 
Yeah, I can imagine. So, you know, it, it was about getting the work done and doing it well and serving people. And it uh, really came full circle in the last few years for me that I've really realized how important it is to me to be of service. To be of service. Well, again, that's a you do so much of that. You even wrote a book about caregiving and how you know, that can also be a dilemma, <laughs> right mm -hmm. in our lives. And I want to get to that as well. So, you know, as a child, obviously, you, you, you mentioned that you learned how to work hard and get things done. Um, what, did, what were some of the things you were involved with, like in high school? Were you, did you do sports? Were you in clubs? Were, did you do anything like that? <laughs> <laughs> I played the trombone. Right on. In band. Yeah, <laughs> I probably was horrible at it. And to be honest, I'm kind of a a smarty. So I really <laughs> liked it because the girl that sat in front of me, I didn't like her. And you know, with trombones, you have a spit <laughs> valve on the end. Yeah, that that kind of sums up my <laughs> high school experience. Are you Although serious? I did, yeah, <laughs> totally. That's <laughs> hilarious. Gymnastics and track and stuff, you know, the usual stuff. But yeah, I wasn't a very good trombone player, but I was a really good spitter. Yeah, right. <laughs> Wow. So you did, you did, you uh, did some sports though, as well. It sounds like mm -hmm. gymnastics. Yeah. I ran track. I sang in choral, um, yeah. you know, did all the things you do in a small town. Awesome. I grew up in a town, Lewis, Wisconsin of only 25 human beings. Really? I went to a one room school until fourth grade. Wow. How so, was yeah. that? I mean, I guess you probably didn't want <laughs> any different, but I mean, did you enjoy that being that small or? It was really cool because it was grades, grades one through eight. So, you know, you kind of had a family around yeah. us. I mean, I have three sisters and a brother, but I also had these kids at the school and, and um, the older kids helped the younger kids and we all played together on the playground. And yeah, it was kind of cool. Wow. Yeah, that's it's interesting. My, my high school, I think we had we our graduating class was like 460. 460 mm. people. So a little different than yours, but, uh, <laughs> but that's cool. That's uh, I've heard a lot of good things about other people who have lived, grew up in a kind of a smaller community. And they, like you said, it felt like family in a lot of ways. And you had a bunch of people that had your back, which is kind of cool as well. So. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, one of the things that you're <laughs> back to high school, one of the things you regret about that is that all of the neighbors know your business. <laughs> that's so, you know, if us kids went out and got trouble, my mom knew about it before we got home. Yeah, that's the, I guess that's the <laughs> drawback. Or maybe that was a good thing to keep you in line. I don't know. Right? Yeah, I think it did. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you for sharing a little bit about your yourself there. I know, again, we mentioned in the, the intro, you're doing so many things. You've written a lot of books. You're a speaker. You're a mindfulness. I called it a master. I think you're the master of mindfulness. Um you know, you, you do corporate events, you do individual sessions, and you're just doing so many great things. Tell us how you got involved in this and why and you know, and, and we'll get into some of these books, and you, you know, your current book, Microdose Mindfulness. Let's talk about that as well. Yeah, so I was running a digital marketing agency up until Oh, gosh, it's been a while now. It's been about 15 years. Um, but I, I ran it for about 20 years. And um, it really was wonderful to be in the early eight, early days of digital marketing. Mm -hmm. And um, then my partner developed breast cancer and oh. I became a caregiver. And the thing about being a caregiver is you kind of lose yourself a little bit yeah. and you don't take care of yourself very well. 
I was really good at not taking care of myself very well. And, you know, that service mindset kicked in. So it was all or nothing, baby. And um, (laughs) it was really hard. Yeah. I didn't handle it very well. I got really depressed. Um, I tried a lot of what they call maladaptive behaviors. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It could be drinking. It could be alcohol. It could be eating too much. It could be just not taking care of yourself. Yeah. Netflix is also a maladaptive behavior. Absolutely. Yeah. Binge watch something for four (laughs) hours, right? (laughs) Right. Yeah. That's so common. So finally I decided, okay, I got to figure out how to take care of myself better. And I went to a retreat, a weekend retreat about mindfulness. And I Mm -hmm. went, wow, this is amazing. This is going to help me. And, uh, it really did. And I also discovered that most of the people that were at that retreat had some kind of trauma in their lives that they were trying to manage too. And since then, I realized that, you know, we all turn to something. Yeah. You know, some people turn to their faith. Some people turn to other forms of self-care. But if you're Mm -hmm. going to actually take care of yourself, you need the right tools. So I started studying a lot. I went to a bunch of schools studied all over the place with some great teachers. And I realized that I didn't really get any fulfillment out of digital marketing anymore. Shock, I know, but (laughs) right. (laughs) You know, but it really, it really mattered to me that I was able to help people and help myself and help my partner and my family and other people. And so I started teaching and it kind of took off from there. It's interesting when you say this, and I hear this a lot where, you know, something that can, you know, can, can be traumatic and a tragic at the time, you know, um, can lead to finding your purpose. Yes. So that's kind of what it sounds like, you know, as hard as this was, I'm sure going through that with your partner, you know, through that, you found your, you found your passion for what you're doing now, you know? Yeah. You know, I, I think in the back of my mind, I've always wanted to make a difference in the world Mm -hmm. and not just make money and not just do what I thought I should do. You know, all the shoulda, woulda, couldas. And I'm, I'm there now. I call myself, (laughs) my company is nearly mindful and I call myself a human potential facilitator. Ooh, I like (laughs) that. But cool. It's kind of cool. That sounds way cool. Oh, I need to change my title now. Yeah, mine mine sounds really weak after hearing that one. <laughs> I don't know. I think I think it would fit you. Maybe, yeah. Can I'm I still listen to the show? It would. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's no. I love that, and um, you know, you you also talk about, and I watched a video where you talked about the the, the caregiver dilemma, and mm-hmm. so now you're also teaching people if you are going to be in that role of, as a caregiver, you know, these are the things that you need to kind of prepare for, watch out for and do. Can you share some of those things with us? And cause I'm sure a lot of people listening to this have, uh, or have ever been, have been a caregiver at one point, or, mm-hmm. you know, that may come down the road. And so this would be good information for them. Yeah. Gosh, you know, if you are married and somebody gets sick, you've been a caregiver. If you've got kids, yeah. If you've got parents who are getting older and they need support, you're a caregiver. And, you know, the first thing that happens to a lot of people is they're like, okay, I've got to completely ignore myself and I'm going to get busy, busy, busy and fix, 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 fix. 
none of those are good for you. And none of them are helping a person that you're caring for. Mm. It's really important that we recognize that if we don't take care of ourselves, we're not doing a full job of caring for others. And so sometimes it's just, you know, about noticing, right? Oh, I'm not, I'm not fully myself right now. Oh, I'm distracted. And that self-awareness, that recognition, that's mindfulness. Okay. That's why I call a company nearly mindful. Cause it's like, we're all just on the edge of being mindful <laughs> all the time. Okay. But all it takes is for us to just stop for a moment, take a pause. And in that pause, check in with yourself. How am I feeling? What am I doing? And it can really change your life because that's when we start to recognize, oh, I'm in kind of deep right now. I, I need to go for a walk. Yeah. I need to breathe. Um, for me, mindfulness isn't necessarily, although I do meditate about 20 minutes a day. Right. For me, it's kind of aggregate. Sometimes okay. I'll sit for 20 minutes. Sometimes I'll sit for five, a few times a day. doesn't matter. Yeah. It's really about taking that time to reconnect with yourself and to get settled and to be present with whatever's going on right then. And when you're caregiving, sometimes you forget that part. Right. Wow. Thanks for sharing that. So if I'm understanding right, again, because when I hear the word mindfulness, I'm a little better now because I've heard some things. But when you first hear it, you're almost like, okay, you know, it's some Zen person sitting under a tree meditating, um, you know, with bells and, and sound bowls. And <laughs> mm-hmm. but you're saying what, if I understand, you're saying it's just becoming present in the moment. And like you said, be self aware and ask yourself some of these questions. That's, that's a form of mindfulness. Absolutely. You know, the whole sitting under a tree in Zen mode and all of those things. <laughs> That may be an aspiration for someone, but right. don't let it stop you from okay. taking that pause. And I think yeah. that's that's what's important to me is that mindfulness really can be microdosed. It does not have to be a whole on big, huge thing that you've got to do and accomplish. Yeah. Just stop. Yeah. Well, I love what you said too. You said you do like 20 minutes of meditation, but at times it's not always 20 minutes. It might be five. It might be a few minutes here. Again, just kind of, you know, being where you're at and what your situation may be and and not maybe even beating yourself up because you didn't get 20 minutes in or something. Oh, stop beating yourself up right now. It's not helping anybody. It's just making you feel guilty and then you do it less and you enjoy it less. Or you think, oh, I'm supposed to be meditating, but I'm actually thinking, oh, I'm not a good meditator. I got to quit this. Yeah. No, nobody's mind is completely silent. That's not how minds work. But going, okay, I'm noticing I'm distracted and I'll come back to whatever, maybe it's my butt in the seat. Maybe it's my breath. Maybe it's looking out the window at the sky. You know, you can actually meditate by just watching the clouds. Yeah, I love that. Very well said. So tell us a little bit more about your book, uh, Microdosed Mindfulness. Like what, what would one find if they read this and why would, why would you want someone to pick this book up and, and study it and learn from it? Well, I should say first that the book is coming out probably January now because, you know, I'm a mindfulness coach. So I got to thinking about it and then I got lost. (laughs) So it's, um, I love, I love the honesty. That's awesome. (laughs) Well, what it really is, is that I started interviewing people about how they were dealing with mindfulness at work. 
okay. and realized that I needed to add more to this because a lot of my clients are struggling with dealing with the stress at work and then yeah. the way that we're dealing with things right now. And I wanted to make sure I got more of that in the book. So okay. January, but the idea Love of the it. book is that you can flip through the sections and pick up something that's going to be on one page. That's just going to explain to you something you can do. And it's very simple because I think those microdoses, you know, there's a, there's a phrase in psychology called titration. And basically, you know, if you're afraid of heights, you might step up on a stool, you know, you might step up a little higher. Yeah. It's that aggregation. And the same thing is true with microdosing mindfulness. It right. can be just stopping, taking a breath, noticing. It can be somebody's talking to you and they're starting to really bother you and you don't want to be too distracted looking past their ear while you're listening and mm. allowing that distraction to distract you from all of the things that you think you're going to answer when they haven't even finished their question yet. Yeah. I think a lot of us struggle with that one, right? <laughs> <laughs> It's like, I'm already going to tell you, I didn't hear what you said, but here's my answer. <laughs> yeah. Another moment of mindfulness. Just listen. Yeah. You know, and we don't do that so often. Yeah. Well, you know, what I've noticed already from you and also studying you, you, you have a very calm way of talking. Um, it's at a beautiful pace. Um, it's very, it feels very safe. I'm sure you probably hear this a lot. Very peaceful. No, you know? thank you. Yeah. And I think that's probably why you're so good at what you do, because I mean, I'm feeling just relaxed sitting here talking to you. <laughs> Honestly, like it just, you know, I've had I've done a million of these podcasts now. And it just, I'm feeling I'm feeling calm and peaceful just listening to the way you talk and the way you're doing it. I love it. Well, I love that, because that really matters to me that, yeah. you know, people do get that sense. Um, yeah. It's also important for people to know that, you know, sometimes um, all we have to do is just slow down our pace a little bit yeah, and not let our minds go wandering all over the place while we're having a conversation. If we just focus and we're actually present, we have better communication. We're better at understanding the other person's side and mm. actually understanding our own side of the conversation too because we're actually in the conversation rather than yeah. waiting for somebody to shut up so we can talk. <laughs> right. I love that. Well, let's, let's talk about uh, nearly mindful in your business and tell us what that's all about and kind of what is your, you know, we just, we, we touched base a little bit on what your mission is, but tell us about your company and your organization and, and the things that you're doing there to help other people. Sure. So Nearly Mindful really started as an idea um, of just helping people understand that we're all nearly mindful. And then it really took off because people really like that. They like the, the yeah. idea that they didn't have to be mindful all the time. So what I do <laughs> right. is um, I teach. I do a, I have a free Friday meditation class. If anybody's interested in that, just oh, ping right me. On. I'm all over the place. Okay. Um, but I also do retreats. I did a retreat last weekend that was all about joy. Just really? imagine a whole day about joy. That sounds it wonderful. So fun. Yeah. It was. Wow. How do you do a whole day about joy? 
it's really about understanding what's holding us back from having joy, what mm-hmm. our concepts of joy is, because joy isn't just fireworks. You right. know, it doesn't have to be like, wow, yeah. it can just be calmness. Yeah. It can be the recognition that right now I'm okay. Wow. It can be gratitude. Mm-hmm. There's all different types of joy that we can experience. So yeah. we kind of walk through this is what joy isn't. Let's talk about, you know, what you think joy is. And then let's go through the times that something I have people do all the time is make a list of the things that you remember that brought you joy in your whole life. Just think of mm, 15 like and yeah. then go back over that list and relive them in your mind. And now you're developing a resource that you can mm. come back to, you know, when you're having a crappy day, and go, oh, I can remember when my dad taught me to fly fish when I was three. Yeah. Those moments of being with my dad and, and being on the water and fishing, and, you know, it, that is a moment of joy for me that I go back to anytime I want. And we yeah. all have them. Yeah. But sometimes we forget that we have them. Yeah. But if you write them down, you have them. And you that. can go back. So obviously imagination is a very powerful tool that we all have. How do you, how do you talk about that? And what, how do you feel about that? Cause you, you just said it, like you're going to write these things down and then go back and imagine you're there again. Mm-hmm. Why is imagination so important in, in using that? You know, any kind of creativity, whether it's imagining a story or remembering a dream or painting or playing music, all of those stimulate our brain in different ways than stress do. Mm. And it starts to stimulate the parasympathetic nervous system. Mm. And that allows us to calm down. Yeah, It tells our body and our mind that we're safe and that we're happy. Mm. And once we can stimulate those things, that can break up those ang- moments of anxiety or stress in amazing ways. We can just pop that in. I can be having a difficult conversation and remember the red shirt that my dad always wore and make, it makes me smile and it stops the focus. It removes the focus on the negativity. Wow. That's awesome. You know, as you were saying that I was reminded of, you know, where, where do I go when I'm just trying to feel that joy and that peace? And it's always my childhood home. And just, I'll, I'll literally in my mind, walk around the entire perimeter of my house and remember the basketball court, the trampoline, oh. the, the backyard, the rocks in the front, you know, and then even my bedroom and things like that. So I, I can totally understand why that would be a really powerful tool to use in those moments of stress or feeling down or depressed. That's beautiful. I love that. Yeah. So I can totally relate with what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> So you mentioned too, I want to, I want to just make sure if we can clarify this, because you said part of that retreat, uh, at least the one on joy, you, you said, we talk about what joy isn't. Mm-hmm. So can you, can you elaborate a little more on that? Cause I think that'd be really uh, interesting for us to hear that. Yeah. It's just the same thing with mindfulness, right? We have these stories that we tell ourselves about what things are and we build these stories about what joy is and that it has to be fireworks and we have to feel it in our body and it has to be amazing. That's one level of joy, but it's only one level. It can simply be contentment is also joy. 
So it isn't fireworks. It isn't um, necessarily fleeting. We can carry joy with us. People think joy disappears in their lives, um, but it really doesn't. Um, You know, I I did a little bit of work with um, Archbishop Desmond Tutu on his forgiveness project. Oh, really? And yeah, and it was really cool to be around somebody like that who has been through so much trauma in his life. Right. And still, this guy, he giggles constantly. (laughs) You know, he's just happy. And it's so beautiful that he can go through all of that trauma and all of the struggles that, you know, he's been in South Africa and just so much and still find joy in moments. Yeah. Very inspiring, man. Yeah, I bet. What was, I mean, if I could ask, what were some of the biggest lessons you learned from him? That's probably one of them is that, you know, joy can come to you at any time. Okay. You know, um, but he's just a very thoughtful, very kind man. He would send me stuff. I was at the time I was working in social media from the agency and and was helping him with his, some of his stuff. And yeah. he would send me these little notes on his iPad, like the Archbishop has an iPad. That's so cool. <laughs> this was a right. while ago. Yeah. But still, it was, yeah, he's just a delight. Just a delight. Wow. I bet that was awesome. Um, so you've written seven books and obviously you're very passionate about writing as well, because that is not an easy task to do. I've written a couple books and boy, I'll tell you about, put me under. (laughs) So, so, um, your, your, I guess maybe your most current book before this new one comes out in January is when life hits the fan. Mm -hmm. Tell us, I mean, obviously it's very descriptive, uh, title. Um, we can all relate with that, uh, when life hits the fan, <laughs> yeah. um, what is that, what is that book about? And, and what, uh, and why did you end up writing that? That book really, um, tells my personal story about okay. becoming a caregiver and what happened. And then I interviewed, I think it's 50 or hundred people who were also caregivers and asked them about what their main traumas were oh, and, okay came up with ways to either help them with it, or I found out how they got through it using mindfulness. Mm, So it really is, you know, if, if you're in crisis, what do you do? And, you know, I I add some simple tips there as well, but like something that a lot of caregivers do is we spend a lot of time in the emergency room or in the hospital or anywhere waiting. So when you're waiting, you can sit there in anxiety or you can meditate mm. and you can find something to focus on that's positive. Um, yeah. For a long time, I've carried a rock in my pocket. I always have a rock in my pocket. It's a weird <laughs> thing, that's but right. yeah. I can touch that and know, oh, I picked this up on the beach. Mm. And it shifts my mindset from really being like, oh God, what's gonna happen? When are they gonna come? All of those things that you think about when you're waiting in a hospital and just, oh, the beach comes into your head. And, you know, as you said, that imagination kicks in and you can change the way that you're feeling in that moment. Yeah. And you can be more helpful to those around you because you're a little more positive. Just making that mindset set shift is huge, as you know. Oh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. No, thanks for sharing that. That's really, that's really powerful. And, 
And um, so I wanted to ask you, like, what, what, do, what do you do? Because you said we got to take care of ourselves, right? And obviously, you already mentioned that you do meditation for about 20 minutes a day, uh, depending on the day. What are some other things that you do, Janet, that kind of keeps you centered uh, throughout your day? What does a day look like for you? Gosh, what does a day look like? I, <laughs> I usually sit for at least five minutes in the morning. I have two cats and a dog. So, you know, there's a little bit of that stuff going on. Yeah, cool. I also have a horse. Really? Yeah. Oh, man, my granddaughter, uh, she's four years old. She is obsessed with mm. horses. She would love that. <laughs> girls and horses. Yep. I'll have to send you a picture. <laughs> Please do. Yeah. I would love to see. I'll show, I'll show my granddaughter. She'll love it. Yeah. Bess is a uh, Missouri Fox trotter and um, she's a beautiful horse, but mm. she's one of the places that I realized I can meditate anywhere because yeah. I can be brushing her and just be fully enjoying that, enjoying my time with her. And yeah. that's one of my escapes. Sure. And it's, it's a wonderful way to escape because animals don't let you not pay attention. So you, yeah. you have to be mindful with horses because, you know, otherwise they step on you. Yeah, right. Um, you, you just said something that perked my curiosity. You said animals will not let you not pay attention. Mm -hmm. Can you just explain that a little bit more? Well, it's, it's very common people who have dogs, for example, they will know when you're upset and they'll yeah. come to you to comfort you and they'll comfort you by allowing you to pet them. And when you pet them, you feel better. Yeah. And they know that, uh, you know, with horses, it's a little different. If you're riding and your brain's off over here, the next thing you know, the horse is either eating or running off somewhere. <laughs> right. One way or the other, right. they will say, Oh, you're not paying attention. Wow. I love that. Yeah. I, we, I have a dog and yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. If I'm down or whatever, the dog gets right up next to me and yeah, next mm -hmm. thing you know, you're petting the dog and you're actually feeling a little better, you know? Yeah. So it's amazing. Animals are amazing, aren't they? They are. They are. They have pure hearts and they don't have agendas. Yeah. Well, food. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where's my that. food? Where's my food? <laughs> Well, so you've done a lot of speaking events, which we mentioned, you did a TEDx talk, which is awesome. I, I listened to the whole thing. Very, very well said. And what are what are some of your plans? Do you are you going to be doing more speaking events and maybe talk about some of uh, these maybe upcoming retreats you might be doing that we could uh, learn more about? Yeah, yeah. So I am doing another talk. Uh, Next Thursday, I'm doing a talk for um, Women in Power, which is actually mm. a women's conference for women who work in the power industry, oh, which really? is really interesting. Yeah. yeah wow. And it, it's going to be all about resilience, which is another oh. one of my favorite topics. And uh, so that's my next speaking gig. Okay. Um, if people keep an eye on my website, I don't have any retreats coming up right now because I'm going to be going on vacation and I'm still not a hundred percent on the face-to-face -face retreat thing. It's still sure. challenging. Yeah. So I'm doing half day retreats online um, okay. on zoom and there are only two and a half hours. So they're doable. Yeah. They're not overwhelming, but, um, I do offer those about every other month. Okay. Yeah. So, obviously yeah. where we're at with, uh, with COVID and everything, we got to be careful and totally understand that. So, um, so, you know, if, if someone wants to learn more about you and learn more about what you're doing, 
what's the best way for them to reach out to you and, you know, maybe tell us where your website is and, and that kind of stuff. Yeah. So my main website is janetfouts.com. That's the easiest one to find. There is a website for Nearly Mindful that I don't take care of as well as janetfouts.com because <laughs> I'm still working on it. Yeah. But uh, and anywhere in social media, you'll find me at jfouts. Okay. I love that. So again, you call yourself a human potential facilitator, mm -hmm. right? I love that, by the way. It's so cool. What, you know, as when someone comes to your website and things like that, they're going to learn obviously more about you. But what does that mean when you say, you know, what is human potential? Like, what, is there a limit to that? Is there, what does that mean exactly? I'm not sure if there's a limit to that or not, but I think we all think we have a lot of limits. Oh yeah. And, you know, so I think there's a lot of people, especially now I'm talking to a lot of people who are like, you know. I don't really like my job that much. Mm -hmm. I've been doing things that I should do for so long and I want to make a change. Maybe it's age. I mean, I'm 62 and I changed my entire life at 55. So, wow. you know, That's if amazing. people are <laughs> not really, but well, yeah. it's amazing because the culture would say, yeah, you know, you're, you're past your prime, <laughs> mm -hmm. but no, you're like, no, I can reinvent myself every day. Right we're still middle-aged, you know, but yeah. anyway, I just, I think that even, even younger people are like, I just feel like I'm doing what I have to do or what I should do. And it's not what I want to do. And I don't really know where I want to go. Yeah. So a lot of the ideas with the human potential facilitator is to say, okay, let's sit down and kind of look through that. And I use cognitive behavioral therapy and emotional intelligence. Mindfulness is definitely part of it. Yeah. for us to help understand how we can really be the person that we feel we want to be. Mm. And maybe that's figuring out what that even is. Yeah, I love that. You also do individual coaching as well. And yes. I would imagine that's via online as well at this point. But uh, if someone, what would that look like? Who do you work with? Like what type of clientele would want to seek you? What, who would that be? Well, those people that are just struggling right now about, you know, I'm just not happy and I need to figure it out. Uh, that's great for, for coaching. Okay. Um, but I'm also working with teams to kind of help them pull together. You know, um, we've had such a divisive few years here and it's hard when you're managing a team remotely to yeah. bring them all together. So doing coaching in that way with small businesses to big corporations um, I've been helping them understand how to be a better team, doing some leadership coaching, those kind of things as well, which is really fulfilling too. So, yeah, you know, I'm pretty lucky. Yeah. Yeah. You're that's, that's amazing. So, you know, you mentioned that you're going to, you're going to go on a little vacation here. You got a book coming out in January. Is there anything else out on the horizon that you could share with us that you're, you know, might be doing that might be coming up? You know, I think you're just going to have to go to the website and okay. sign up for the email list and find yeah. out because right okay. now I'm really nailing down the book and taking yeah. interviews from people who, you know, are looking to be closer to their human potential in their yeah. lives and figuring yeah. out how I can make sure the book helps them with that. Well, I love that. So if someone comes to your website, can they also link up to your podcast as well that you do? 
Yep, the podcast is there on the front page. So is the link to the book to sign up for the the preview list. Oh, great! And I'll be sending out little bits of information, you know, along that as I develop it. And I also have a Facebook group called Nearly Mindful that you know we do okay. classes in there as well. Oh, right on! That's awesome. Well, I want to ask you this before I let you go, and it's usually I ask this with my uh, guests. If there's someone listening to your voice right now who is struggling, who is just in a maybe a dark place right now and just feeling the stress of the world or whatever it may be, what what could you tell them? You've already shared some really great things, but what could you tell that one person right now who just needs to hear something, who's struggling? The most important thing I can tell them is that they are not alone. Mm. Everybody struggles. That yeah. doesn't lessen your struggle. But what it does is help you to not feel alone and having a little self-compassion for yourself, Yeah. allowing yourself to feel that pain and not getting stuck in it. And if you need help, if you're really seriously struggling, get help. Don't wait. Don't yeah. make, make any judgments about getting help because those who are helping don't have any judgments on you. Yeah. Very well said. Great advice. I love it. Well, Janet, I, I can't thank you enough for spending some time with me today and sharing your life with us and also all these great things that you're doing. I really admire your work. And I love that uh, you're passionate about mindfulness and you want people to, to obviously experience these amazing things that you've experienced through this. And just I can't thank you enough for, you know, taking the time and sharing that with us today. Oh, thank you, Todd. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. Well, there you go, folks. I told you it was gonna be another great uh, guest with another great topics. And again, if you guys are feeling like I, I just feel just nice and relaxed and calm talking to Janet. She has just the perfect voice of mindfulness. <laughs> That's the voice I picture when I think of mindfulness. And um, so please reach out to her. Her website's uh, janetfouts.com. You can find out about her podcast, her books, her upcoming book, any, you know, future uh, retreats. And uh, if you want some individual coaching, or if you have an organization that needs some coaching, please reach out to her. She's fantastic. And she's doing such great things. And so anyway, again, Janet, thank you for your time today. Thanks, Todd. My pleasure. All right. Well, till next time, Gus. I love you. Take care. <laughs>